Um, so we watched Tarzan this week from 1999, and instead of reading a summary, just because a Tarzan movie came out this summer, I kind of just feel like everyone knows what's going on with that character. Tarzan, Jane, jungle, gorillas, racism. Um, so because I think, you know, you guys all know what's happening, I'm just going to read a great review that Matt and I found from 1999 from... New York Magazine by one Peter Rainier. Bear with us. It's a little long. It's one paragraph. Here we go. In the new Disney animated feature Tarzan, which has some first-rate animation and some second-rate storytelling, The ape man glimpses his first human and wails to his ape mom. Why didn't you tell me there were creatures who looked like me? Actually, aside from his Rasta locks, the creature Tarzan most looks like is Fabio. He's been given that hyper-physiqued appearance that animators now so often equate with superheroism. Even Moses and the Prince of Egypt had it. He's also been given a lustier yell. None of that Johnny Wussmiler jungle yodel for this guy. When he finally hooks up with Jane, he gets so worked up that he surfs the treetops. It's a high-flying form of autoeroticism, <laughs> and it points up just how sublimated Tarzan is. He might not have been so deprived if the animators had seen fit to introduce a few Africans into the jungle, but there's nary a one. Perhaps Disney thought the best way to get around the ooga-booga stereotype uh, was to eliminate blacks altogether. It's a neutron bomb version of political correctness. How did it feel to say ooga-booga stereotype, Matt? It didn't feel good, but it felt very 1999. Hitting record, and, um, pull these back up. <laughs> My five notes. I feel like, um, Peter Rayner, is that his name? Yeah. The, the journalist was, like, ex- exercising a lot more, like, about himself in that review than, than anything else. Like, I feel like, I'm assuming he's still alive? We didn't do any... I, th- I would assume so. 1990, I, I mean, God willing. He just seems like one of those guys that would say, like, uh, PC culture has run amok in the 90s, who is now probably <laughs> in a way worse situation. <laughs> he's losing his shit yeah. over the Berkeley protests oh, right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, so who knows where Peter Rayner is, but you guys should look him up, see uh, which side of history he's landed on these days. <laughs> I wonder what else he's done. he did reviews for back in the day. Because that was literally, we read the entire review. It was just a, a paragraph. Yeah, he somehow sounded both sexually frustrated and pissed off about his, his like, the lack of uh, uh, courage of Disney to... Put... What? Put... I mean, I'm not gonna... I, I noticed there are no black people in this movie, um, whether it's via the animated characters or via the voice cast. Speaking as a black person who was watching this movie, like expecting to kind of cringe through it in the same way you love, but also cringe a little bit through Pocahontas. I was very glad that there were no black people in this movie. Uh, That was fine with me. And for once, this was uh, actually not just sort of incidental, but I think it was a conscious decision by Disney. 
It had to have been. It had because to have been. the only time any black characters appear in any of the run of the Tarzan mythology, it, it's, oh, they just were like, no way, man. That, not that minefield. Yeah. I mean, um, now that we've gotten that out of the way, I should say, uh, welcome to the kids' table. Hello. Uh, this is Kendra. And this is Matt. And um, as you probably figured out, we're discussing uh, the Disney movie Tarzan from 1999 this week. It starred Tony Goldwyn as Tarzan, who's now on Scandal as uh, Fitz, and also Minnie Driver as Jane, who's also now on another ABC show, Speechless. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, I'm just, I'm trying to, you know, give faces to names. She was in Goodwill Hunting. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, Rosie O'Donnell is also in it. Um, she is now starring as Donald Trump's enemy number one. For a while, she was up there. Yeah. She hasn't had a Twitter uh, sort of tete-a-tete with him in a while. Well, that's because I think Arnold Schwarzenegger, maybe maybe she's number two. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger is now number one. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, not in this movie on that. Can you go back to the cast where I was reading, please? Because I, I didn't memorize. I'm so sorry. Um, we also had Glenn Close in this movie as Tarzan's gorilla mother. Um, and it's our second Wayne Knight movie. Yeah, he plays the elephant. Yeah, which is, you know, it's sweet. Um, I don't have the cast. No, it's fine. Those are kind of the major, we just hit on the major people, I believe. Goldwyn. Yeah, Goldwyn, Driver, Close, and Knight. (laughs) And O'Donnell. And O'Donnell, yeah. Yeah, comedic relief O'Donnell. Yeah. Yeah, can I just, one more, because I'm weirdly fascinated by Peter Rayner's response to this movie. (laughs) which Autoeroticism. Yeah, yeah, that word in particular really, like, caught my eye, because I was like, because he, 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 he's annoyed at the, uh, at the sort of musculature of Tarzan. Right. He compares Tarzan's physique to, um, to that to of Moses. Moses from the Prince of Egypt. And we, we, if you've been listening, we just did the Prince of Egypt, uh, two or three episodes ago. And I wouldn't say he was particularly muscular <laughs> no. or like his physique was anything remarkable. <laughs> and and yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he seems sort of like intimidated by Moses. Like, like, and Moses was, like, a rail-thin, like, shepherd of men. Yeah, and sheep. And, uh, like, nothing to, like, it seemed like they were really, like, the fidelity to, you know, someone who was sort of growing up in a sort of highly agrarian... Yeah, I mean, when we discussed the physique of the animation in The Prince of Egypt, we mostly commented on the women. Yeah, thick with two seats, yeah. But... (laughs) Yes. So, so I don't know. This guy seems like he's he's having a, a different experience from most when he's seeing these movies. And Tarzan must have been infuriating and also this way because he was only in a loincloth the whole time and he's muscly. Now, I had questions about the loincloth only because one assumes... Like, okay. No, I, no I'm, not, I'm not trying to be like a, a weird... I'm not trying to bring this to like a bestial level. But one of the, wait, 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 what are you, okay. I'm just saying, humans and gorillas, pretty similar. Mm-hmm. They all have the same things going on down there. R- yes, more or less. Why is he wearing a loincloth? Well, okay, this... He's, and the, it's not just the Disney movie, like, he, I think he's always been described, even in the um, Burroughs books, as wearing a loincloth. Yes. Um, Do you have an explanation? Well, I don't, other than that it's just a unrealistic concession to the mores of the time. Okay. And also, like, what are you going to do? You know? <laughs> You're trying to market this book to, like, as many people as possible, even at, like, the turn of the 20th century. And, like, 
is his uncircumcised dick going to be hanging out like the entire time? Like, like there's just no way you're allowed to do that. Yes. That, I mean, that's fair. It's, it's just like, I was watching it and I was like, we had gorillas and humans pretty close. Um, right. Like where did he learn modesty? Yes. That's yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. Right. Where did he learn to be? Yeah. Also, why is he so hairless? That's a, yeah, that's another good question. That is something that I'm not sure is also, like, specified in the Burroughs yeah. s- series. I know he's very handsome in the Burroughs series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He has long, dark hair, like, black raven hair. Right, but he's, like, ha- yeah, he's very hairless. There's he's no total- chest. He's so manscaped, and it's, like, really weird. And he looks a lot like, uh, he reminded, I know he's supposed to be sort of modeled off Goldwyn, but he looks, to me, he looked like um, Adrian Brody. Oh, okay. I can see that with the nose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that was kind of my, my major question about Tarzan. And then it was really interesting watching the beginning. I had forgotten that the beginning of this movie starts with, like, the family falling off the ship mm-hmm. um, and then moving into the jungle. And you see Tarzan's parents and Tarzan as a baby. And then his gorilla mother comes in. <laughs> Okay, it's his gorilla mother, Matt. It's funny. It's still a funny concept, man. I know. Okay, but his gorilla mother (laughs) (laughs) comes in and rescues Tarzan as a baby when he's, um, when his parents are killed by a leopard. And do you have thoughts about watching this in a post-Harambe world? Post-Harambe, yeah, this movie. Well, okay, so actually, my initial thoughts, first of all, sorry. Yes. Right away with the Phil Collins. (laughs) They but hit, it's so good. They hit you with Phil Collins right away because they know that's their ace. Right. And uh, so that's great. And then through the song, what what's the initial song? Oh, it's not Put Your Faith in What You Both Believe In. Isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Maybe. Right. I can check. A paradise untouched by man. Yes. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, actually, I was reading the Roger Ebert um, review, and it was really great because, like, or no, 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 it was the New York Times review where they were talking about how uh, it has to, uh, like, the G rating belies the fact that it starts with, like, basically two traumas where, like, two families, you know, die. Right, but that's Disney. I mean... Right, orphans. Yeah, orphan, orphan, Disney uh, heroes, heroines are always orphans. Speaking of, wait, okay, first of all, you're going to have to go back, you're going to have to give me your thoughts on watching this in a post-Harambe world, but before you do that... I don't give a shit, like, I don't... (laughs) Like, dicks out for Harambe and all that shit, like, like... Were you not thinking, though, like, of, like, when Harambe was shot, he was, like, cuddling, mm. you know, a child, and he was, like, trying to protect the child the best way. Yeah, there's a lot of echoing imagery there. Yes. Even, and also, um, another, like, weird connection, because, like, didn't Diane Fossey weigh in on this, who famously studied... Um, chimpanzees. I wish you could, I wish you could see the look that I'm giving that right now. Kendra doesn't know. (laughs) Kendra has a ninth grade science education. (laughs) Um, no, this isn't about like what, this is just like, um, cause like Jane Goodall is famously the woman who's, I've heard heard of her. Girl in the Mists. But like preceding her, I think was Diane Fossey who studied chimpanzees, but like she weighed in on the Harambe thing. And talked about how, like, there could have been, a, I think there could have been, like, a better way to approach it than killing the gorilla. Okay. Because the gorilla had all of the, like, body language of something that was not going to harm the kid, and they could have, like, tranquilized it. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was inspired to become a primatologist because of Tarzan, because of the book series. 
Oh, okay. And she even was famous. She not famously, but she even said that uh, I think uh, that she would have loved to have been in Jane's shoes and been Tarzan's wife because she thinks she would have made a better wife than Jane, who was kind of had still had some like aristocratic uh, hangups. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to it, but I found it like so weird that by the end of this movie, Jane's mother-in-law was a gorilla. I mean, (laughs) we have to, like, give some room to just the fact that it's a Disney movie. Like, I I also had similar things, like, including my, like, very, like, sort of Spock desire to know where he learned modesty and how come uh, he still has, like, human notions of morality where, like, you know, he he won't kill, like, people, really. And, uh, but I... It's weird. I mean, they really streamlined the story because the Edgar Rice Burroughs mythology expands so... There's, like, 30 books or something. Yeah. Like, he... I mean, whatever. Sorry, guys. But he wrote a bunch, but then there's also just, like, adaptations and unofficial shit. Mm -hmm. Um, And it gets very messy and problematic and weird. Um, And so, obviously, Disney, like... Like they did with, uh, you know, like, the um, Hans Christian Andersen. Right, right, right. Like, fairy tales, like... They really streamline it and smooth all those edges off. Yeah. I was going to say thank you for... Well, that's not exactly the segue, but I was going to say there is one of the sort of interchangeable Disney theories that goes in, like, how all the animated movies take place in the same universe. Like, there's a bunch of theories surrounding oh, okay. that. Like where, like, the girl from Tangle was in blah, blah, blah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so this one, Tarzan connects to two of them. <laughs> one of them is with the, uh, you see when they're doing the trashing the camp scene, again, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about more later because I love that. Um, Chip and Mrs. Potts are yes, the, the... the reference to that. Yeah, like, they're using that China from Beauty and the Beast in this camp scene. And then... Do you think they get to, is that where they meet their end, do you think? I don't know. Who knows? Well, no, because remember, they're rescued at the end of Beauty and the Beast, so maybe it's like a journey. Maybe this is the beginning of their journey. <laughs> it's a, Guys, uh, it's a good way to spend your time, creating a grand unified theory of the Disney universe. Well, I'm not done. So, Fuck, man. yeah, All there's right. one, I and I could be wrong about this, I believe there is one about Frozen and Tarzan, Yeah. where um, the sisters in Frozen, their parents are the ones are Tarzan's parents, and that's why they're gone. They've been lost in this shipwreck with the heir, with the should-be heir to the Frozen Kingdom, Tarzan. Viscount Greystoke. Yes. And so, yes, and so that's why Elsa and whatever the hell her name is don't have parents, because they died in this movie. Huh. That's just what I've heard floated. I'm not saying I believe it. Well, yeah, I, um... I don't really know how to where, where to go from there. Like like uh, yeah, I'm sure if you are <laughs> uh, whatever you are, something enough, then you can <laughs> create a causal links throughout all the Disney movies. Oh, I'm sure there's people who devoted a lot of time to that. There are. Oh. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I just I just haven't bothered to read it. <laughs> uh, also, can I just bring up Peter Rayner again? <laughs> Oh my gosh, let's let's keep talking about autoeroticism. Yeah, very... And then, like, when Clayton's in the vines, it's very close to a different kind of... Oh, you're right. Autoeroticism. Yeah, so, yeah, yes. But he mentions, again, (laughs) my one theory is that, um, and this might not work out in terms of, like, how long it takes the production pipeline to, like, make one of these movies, but, like, um, 
that this was Disney's response to Prince of Egypt. Okay. Which fucking rules. It's great. It's better than this. Uh, I would, yeah, I would say that's true, but this one gives it a run for its money, at least on, like, a technical level. Like, like the animation. Like, they really went go for broke in, like, a literal sense. I think this movie costs, like, $140 million to make or something like that. Did you like all of the animation in this movie? Yeah, I did. I really liked it. Okay. I appreciated what they were trying to do with, like, Tarzan's movements. They made it very clear that, um, that skateboarding and snowboarding were a thing. In mm-hmm. 1999, they made it very clear that they loved Tony Hawk and that they knew the, the youths They really did. Tony though. Hawk, too. They studied surfers and, like, rollerbladers and, like, X Games people. Yeah, no, I, yeah, totally. I remember, I feel like, do you remember Radio Disney? Yeah, kind of. I remember them talking about that. Like, I feel like I listened to Radio Disney and just heard them talking about that all the time and absorbed it into my head. (laughs) But, so, that stuff was cool when he was doing, like, the crisscrosses on the vines and all of that stuff. And the fauna, the flora and fauna, I Mm -hmm. thought was really beautiful. And then, I don't know, the characters weren't so much. I I felt like they were... What are you talking about? I don't know. I just felt like this was very sim, like the the front, the foreground stuff was all just very basic. Whereas the background stuff and then like the movement animation was where they put all of their effort into, which is fine. Like that's a choice. But I didn't think that these were like spectacular, iconic character designs. See, I thought that. I mean, I like. I know that they went to like Uganda and stuff and oh, like did studied. Gorillas. Okay, okay. That's what I mean. This movie cost, this movie was the h- highest budgeted animated film of the time, up until that time. Wow. Um, and partially because they had like gorilla research budget money and stuff. Like they, like, they and, and then they like went to like, uh, uh, like California and like studied like surfers and shit. Like they, mm-hmm. they, and like motion tracked them. Okay. They also, um, employed a animation technology called Deep Canvas. Oh. Which was... Uh, Does that account for, like, the beauty of the flora and fauna? It might be, like... It might be causing what you're, you were experiencing, where the backgrounds might have been rendered better. It, it's... Deep Canvas was, like, a new... It was, like, its premiere. Mm-hmm. It was, like, a digital animation suite that you could render 3D environments in, like, a 3D... Sp- space and then you could hand paint over them and it would like it would like track the artist's painting so that when you had like Tarzan doing his cool like Rodney Mullen X Games shit (laughs) through vines and somehow not getting splinters in his feet uh, (laughs) that it would like look still like a, a cartoon it would still look animated so you're saying that they they like went and they really studied surfers X game people imagine if they had had GoPro like, at that time. Imagine what we would have gotten. I'm assuming that Deep Canvas is already, like, old news now, and, like, it's just totally, like, common to do this stuff they've done um, yeah. before. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they, like, studied, like, physiology. They went, like, back to, like, old school, like, okay. anatomy art class. Hmm. I wish... I don't know. I wish It was I... still not satisfying <laughs> to you? Are you not entertained, Kendra? I'm sorry. I... Do you know what I feel, like, overall with this movie? I, this soundtrack bangs. Like, this, I'm sorry, like, it does. Like, this, this soundtrack overall, I think I have more enthusiasm for, like, walking down the street and listening to than the Prince of Egypt soundtrack, which has great songs, but not every song on the Prince of Egypt soundtrack is great. 
I think every song on this soundtrack is legitimately so good, amazing. And and you know what? Fuck all the haters. Phil Collins is awesome. Yeah, no, no. I I mean, I'm not a fan. I'm not not a fan, but I can. What do you stake out a position? No, I'm I'm not like Phil Collins is not part of my my musical like upbringing. I guess I would say like I have no emotional connection to him. <laughs> um, in the way that I have to like some '80s people like Billy Joel or like Bon Jovi. Like sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like what as I'm, a Jersey, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like what I'm saying is I will put on the Tarzan soundtrack at any point and jam the fuck out. Yeah, and feel emotional. Yeah, yeah. Well, because Phil Collins was the drummer for Genesis, which is another good band. Right. Fuck all of you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to go along with Matt here. Um, so, like, you know, and, and, and uh, if you're a fan of Peter Gabriel, it's, like, a similar thing. Like, he... Anyway, uh, so he's, like, a very, like, he was... He knew like percussion, so a lot of his okay. a lot of his stuff is very percussive. Well, that's clear. That's reflected here in the soundtrack. Um, yeah. So there's some really good percussion stuff, and I think it's like part of why it's like it bangs. Like, it does. Why it's good. It literally bangs. There's rhythms, man. They're yeah. good. Um, and then like I don't think that like as much as we acknowledge and give credit to InSync for being just a force, we do not acknowledge their contributions to the soundtrack enough. I don't. Uh, what do you mean? What are you talking about? They're trash in the camp. They, yes! That's the That's in sync! That's in they just flew in in sync and like had them do that one song. Trash in the camp. It's like a cappella, they're trashing it with Rosie. That was a good song. It's a great song! But they don't really say words, do they? No, it's just it's just noises. Wait, did, but does InSync did InSync compose music? I don't I would guess, given what you just said about like Phil Collins being a percussionist, that that is... I think they just brought them in so they could go doo-wop-boo-doo. It was great. Yeah. They did a great job doing what they were supposed to do. Yeah, doing like... Um, yeah, that was always like, yeah, it's Phil Collins and NSYNC, Trash in the Camp. Holy shit, man. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I thought that that was like a thing, but I guess maybe because I was a teenage girl in no, <laughs> 1999. No, no. I knew Phil Collins was the, you know, star of the movie, essentially, but like, I, I didn't realize they snuck NSYNC in there. Yeah, that was, um, was that... Let me just check really quickly. Was that before or after they had hit it, like, before huge, Before, like, No Strings, no strings Attached tour? Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, that would have been a big... No, No Strings Attached was... Oh, it came out in 99 because it yeah. toured in 2000. Right. Because the whole thing was, like, when Y2K was, like, a huge thing. <laughs> like, oh, no, I'm sorry. No Strings Attached came out in 2000. Tarzan was 99. So it was, like, literally right before... They were already big, but they were about to blow up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I had, until it got disgusting, uh, a, a No Strings Attached t-shirt that I liked to wear. Did you go to a No Strings Attached tour? I did not. I'm a big poser and uh, uh, fake, but I, I still liked sync and had the shirt from like a long, for a long time. I went to a No Strings Attached tour. It was... I know I said that I, now that I've liked sync and Genesis and Phil <laughs> Collins. I just, I promise that I also, I have like more like cool... Enjoyments made good music. I know you're right. You know what? Like in in <laughs> we're in a post-ironic world now. I feel like, and mm-hmm. it's it's cool to just be earnest. And I like those things. Yeah, I mean, um, makes me ill off of No Strings Attached. <laughs> no, seriously, like that is an underrated song. That's and it's true. And it's like an acap- It's like half acapella, like half not. It's oh, it's so yeah. good. And there's no debate, you guys. Backstreet Boys had some good stuff. They did. Oh, totally. 
anyway. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. And I also just want to go on the record as saying that J.C. Chazay uh, should have had a bigger solo career than he did. Blowing Me Up With Her Love is actually a great song. Go back and re-listen to it. What are what are the where are the places people can contact us if they disagree or agree vehemently? Um, you guys can reach out to us at Kids Table Pod on Twitter, or you can email me your disagreements at kidstablepod at gmail.com. You, I guess Matt would probably like me to say, just address all uh, topics of JC Chazé's solo career, specifically to Kendra. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Uh, uh, okay, here's the first elision of the erasure of black characters. <laughs> okay, let's get in this. I think in the original book... Oh, I got some quotes from the, from the original books. You may read them, but okay. let me just say this. Um, I'm pretty sure that it was African mutineers that, like, lit the boat on fire. Oh, so like Somali pirates. Yeah, like something, like like something, like Edgar Rice Burroughs never went to Africa. Ed, like Edgar Rice Burroughs, like read once that Africa existed as a continent. Thought it was a country. Probably thought it was a country. Um, he just knew that there were like he just saw some pictures of like gorillas and shit and was like, you know. So he had a very childlike perspective on it. So much like most people's perspective <laughs> of it now. Right. Yeah. Still thinking it's a country. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so like I think it was African mutineers, okay. who were like supposed to like charter and help this nice white British family, um, but then ended up like stealing shit from them and, and and leaving them on the shore. I'm actually like really impressed. There's a point in this movie where Jane and Tarzan are supposed to be going back to London, and they are they go get on the ship and there are mutineers on the ship who are there to capture them hold them down while the villain who if you haven't seen this movie but you've seen Pocahontas he's basically the effeminate british guy from Pocahontas just a little bit skinnier well he's like the creepy like like genteel Englishman, right? But he's also muscle. He's also like a big dude. Yeah, but so uh, there are mutineers on the ship, like holding Jane, Tarzan, and Jane's father back. And I was actually really shocked and impressed to see that they weren't black. Yeah, <laughs> like I was a little no, surprised. No, there, there are no, there's no one black is in yeah. this movie. Yeah, the voice cast for this is just Lily White. Yeah, everything. It's fine. I'm so fine with it because when you're when you're dealing with the continent of Africa, and you're dealing with a movie that is a lot about gorillas, mm-hmm. you're gonna get into trouble somewhere. In this case, as much as I am always for diverse casting and just trying to reimagine stories so that you can either tackle the racism head on or <laughs> eliminate it, this was the right choice for 1999 for Disney at this time. This right. was the best they could do. I think at the time they eliminated it yes. in a literal sense. Yes, and that's and they. I mean, technically, I think we would call that whitewashing. Um, yeah, it, it is because it is a story that takes place in Africa with zero black people. But if there had been even one voice actor cast as a gorilla, oh my god, we would be having a very different conversation right now. Yo, I have a, I have a. We're jumping all over the place, but there's a scene. <laughs> this, this is a tangent. Okay. Uh, there's there's a scene right where like, you know, Tarzan is adopted by what is her name, Kala and Kala, Kerchak, yeah, yeah. and uh, and whatever. He doesn't feel welcome, and and he goes and he like looks the the like kind of like 
even at that point, really hackneyed scene where he looks at his reflection in the water and he like splashes it in disgust, and then he starts smearing mud on his face. <laughs> kind of starts blacking up. He does start blacking up. <laughs> I was like, I got where they were going with that, and right. I tried to just like maintain my cool with it, but also like the little white child was trying to fit in in Africa. Amongst gorillas. Amongst gorillas and was blacking up. So, you know what it made me think of? And I know this isn't about the movie. Uh, <laughs> but it made, it reminded me that you said you were, you were, you were noticing, uh, you, you saw a uh, novelty mask of Mace Windu. I did. It's one of my prized possessions now. Um, what, where does that place in the spectrum of sort of racist artifacts like because it's not blackface because but it's obviously not cool but like it i feel like someone thought it was definitely a workaround right uh wait so you're are you asking me i'm asking like if a little white boy wants to be mace windu for halloween and instead of doing actual like shoe polish fucking racist blackface right they instead put a plastic black person's face on their own face. Right. What is that? So, actually, it's funny. Patrick, who was on our Space Jam episode, asked me the same question. <laughs> not on the podcast. Right, I'm not Not No, no, yeah, not okay. on the podcast. He asked me this in a text message when I texted it to him and asked him if he wanted to use it as a prop in a video. <laughs> um, so, here's my thing. If your white son wants to dress, or daughter, sorry, wants to dress up as Mace Windu, there's actually a very simple way for them to do that costume without darkening their skin or putting on a mask to darken their skin. Mace Windu, Samuel L. Jackson made sure, would always be recognized because he is the only character in the Star Wars universe that has a purple lightsaber. So you put the purple light, you give the child the purple lightsaber, and they are Mace Windu. There is no one else that they can be in the universe. And my thing with white people dressing up as black characters is you have to take the traits that they like the traits of their costume that they have that are not related to their skin tone and do that you cannot like skin tone changing is not a thing that is acceptable so if as a cosplayer yes you've done the same thing in reverse exactly a ton yes all the time right so there you have it's like i mean if you oh gosh who do i who who do i do right right ray like you you just put on ray sorry from um star wars uh force awakens you just i didn't want to just no that's yeah put that out there um yeah if you if i a black woman want to dress as ray it's entirely possible i make the costume i put it on and then I'm Ray. There's no need to change my skin tone. If a white person, say, wants to be, I do Max from Maxine from uh, Batman Beyond, who like a distinct trait of hers is pink hair. If you wear her costume, it's yellow and black. It's very distinct. And then you have a pink wig on. People are going to know who you are without needing to change your skin tone. Um, so, so that's there's... like a long <laughs> answer. To Matt's question there. Nice. See? And there you have a sort of, I don't know, a PSA of sorts. Right. And we'll come back with more Tarzan. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> 
Hello, everybody, and we're back. This is Matt uh, and and Kendra. We're talking about 1999's uh, Disney animated adaptation of Tarzan, a post-Renaissance film. Yes, and uh, I would say a high watermark. Sure. Kendra loves Hercules. I we'll do. See that later. Right we're now, we're getting on that. We're talking about Tarzan, though. <laughs> I just before we move on to further in the movie, since we haven't really done any sort of chronology, can I just say that the boat is on fire for reasons we don't understand. <laughs> it could still be for the same reasons in the original. The family escapes. Um, Tarzan is supposed to be from British aristocracy, yeah? Yeah, he's like a lord or something. He's a Viscount. Okay, yeah, that works. Viscount Greystoke. Sure. Also, I think his name's John Clayton. It is. Which is confusing because the villain's named Clayton. Uh, Are they brothers? Which makes me think about some sort of, uh, maybe like, um, um, like, like they were thinking maybe they would do another one and have that be a story. I'm not sure. There is a Tarzan too, and now I'm kind of wondering what the plot is. It's probably it's probably nothing to do with that. <laughs> uh, but so anyway, like the 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 so the parents are from the aristocracy. They were taking a chartered boat somewhere into Africa to do something, probably get blood diamonds or something. Whatever they were doing, exploiting people. I think the British Empire was still sun wasn't setting on it uh or whatever at that point 1900 yeah but this, this, did that is that when the book took place well the first book was published in either 1912 or 1913 um but it could have taken place before then so anyway my only point is they get stranded on the island with a baby and they proceed to have the most like their relationship is so strengthened. They look like they're having such a good time. They're just like Swiss, Swiss Family Robinson or something. Like, they just, like, build an awesome treehouse and, like, relationship goals. Like, they're, like... Yeah, I mean, there's one point where the he's having trouble, like, lifting logs and the wife just steps in and really just, like, lifts it over her head. Oh, it's my God. really a partnership. And they look at each other. I'm surprised another baby didn't make it into the, into the mix. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Disney movie, Matt. We're not all at the auto-eroticism <laughs> We're not all doing a Peter Rainer on this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, I actually wait. Can I just say that I feel like of all I have been attracted to some Disney princes mm-hmm. in my day, like Prince Eric, beautiful Aladdin, gorgeous. <laughs> Matt, yeah, no, no, I got you, I got you. Yeah, right. um, Sleeping Beauty's prince is just. Um, but <laughs> This is, like, the one where I was, like, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling any particular, like, attraction. And I'm, you know what? I'm going to admit, Robin Hood, who is literally a fox, also a fox. We've, we've mentioned this before. Yes. (laughs) And it's okay. I think, guys, if you're listening and you've watched Disney movies, which leads you into the realm of anthropomorphic animals. Yeah. 
with big old eyeballs that are very empathetic and expressive and emotive, uh, if you're feeling feelings for those creatures... It's okay. It's okay. I mean... I guarantee you one out of every ten girls had either a thing for Robin Hood or a thing for Simba. Like, I'm I'm not trying to, like... And don't think that those weird feelings, who, which never go away, <laughs> were not then reignited during Zootopia. Oh, I haven't seen that. Which, holy shit, if you go if you go <laughs> onto, like, Tumblr and stuff... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I've done crazy. That. Yes, people have some feelings for some rabbits. Yeah, that rabbit. Anyway. I, what I'm saying... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Is that Tarzan didn't do it for you? No, yeah. And I actually... It was interesting because I feel like in every Disney movie I watch, there's like at least one character where I'm like, I'd hit that. Yes. You didn't have a lot to work with. If you didn't like Tarzan, all you had was Clayton. Right. Or the dad. How did you feel about Jane? I thought Jane looked good. I mean, again, this is a Disney movie, so to, like, graft um, that kind of, you know, fully, that kind of emotion onto it is... Is not what the movie was was definitely trying to avoid doing. A, a proper British woman sort of, like, mucking it in the jungle is... She's wearing no clothes after a while. Like, she's wearing a chemise and, like, her underskirt. And <laughs> and while... Fuck. I, sorry, like, while Minnie Driver is not exactly my type, her voice is, if that makes sense. Like I get that, yeah. Oh, I totally get that. Like a husky British voice. So it's like, like Alan Rickman. Like, I'm not really attracted... I wasn't really attracted to him, but his voice could, yeah. like, do anything. A disembodied voice could command you. Yes, so, totally, totally. So, yeah, I was into it. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> I will also say that, like, um, off the track, like, I am a huge fan of this movie, too. Like, I, I saw it a ton when I was a little kid, and it was, like, one of my favorites. Oh, oh you watched this one a lot? Yeah. Okay. I didn't watch this one a lot. I, this came out... This was... I I said before that Tarzan is a post-Renaissance Disney movie, and by that, uh, we really mean, like, after 1995. I think Pocahontas is considered the last of the Disney Renaissance movies, and I think the Renaissance starts with The Little Mermaid. And it's really just, like, that series of movies that are all excellent. And I would say Pocahontas is the weakest of those from The Little Mermaid to Pocahontas. It's Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas. I mean, I don't have... Yes, I'll just agree. I think I think that's the order. <laughs> um, according, toy, to can't, according to aggregate voting by weird Disney people? No, 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 that's just the order they came out. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, that's the timeline that they came out in. And Toy Story was in there as well with Pixar, I think, in, like, 95, I want to say? Is that a thing? Yeah, that's right. Okay. But, yeah, point being, so this was post-Renaissance, and post-Renaissance includes Mulan, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, and Tarzan, and I could be forgetting one in there. Um, And my personal favorite of the post-Renaissance is Hercules, but Matt is partial, too. I like Hercules, and I like, oh. but I, I like Tarzan more just because I saw it more. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, the whole point of that was I watched, whereas Matt was watching Tarzan, I was watching Hercules. Another, I don't really, okay. Do you think that Turk had a crush on Tarzan? Um, so. Do you think that was a classic, like, f- friend zone joke? So this is going to be interesting. I, um, <laughs> no, I. Of the times that I, I definitely thought that Turk was a boy. 
coming Ooh, into hell this. Yeah, me too. For a second, yeah. I I had assumed that like because I remembered the elephant because I remembered the elephant was like dainty and had like maybe what were supposed to be coded as OCD issues or something. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so I remembered him and I remembered Turk, but I didn't remember like the name or the character. Um, but I definitely thought it was a boy, and then I was kind of going with it being with him being a boy. Even though I knew Rosie O'Donnell was doing the voice. Right. I was just kind of going with that thought. Um, she, I mean, even if you weren't told young lady. Oh, right. That does. Rosie O'Donnell like sounds like a sort of teen, maybe like a teen boy or something. Right. And not to say that they're clearly like a teen boy gorilla could have a crush on a teen boy man. Yeah. Like that's fine, but that's not what I would expect to see in a Disney movie from 1999. No, and you wouldn't also expect to answer questions about about attraction and a bestiality again in no, this movie. Because, no, like, if Jane didn't come along, like, what are Tarzan's options? Especially after he takes over from Kerchak. I don't want to think about that. I really, I don't. I can't do it. Um, can't do it. Oh, by the way, no. In the books, Kerchak is the one who kills Tarzan's parents. Really? Yeah. Oh. Which is a cooler conflict. Emotionally, But not one that Disney can accommodate. No, of course not. I think, well, and I, I think that maybe you would have gotten some of the deeper conflict that Tarzan introduces, both racially and both with, like, Kerchak, if um, Hunchback hadn't been a thing where they were burning people at the stake. Yeah. And I don't think that went over too well. No, I mean, this movie doesn't shy away from violence, like... Right. There's it's bloody a, paw prints when they find the dead. Like, they show the dead parents, like, lying on the ground. Oh, t- oh yeah, they and do. They the do. bloody leopard prints. Mm-hmm. But that's, again, that's orphan Disney violence. That's Well, blo- I didn't think blood was a part of it for a lo- the longest time. No, but, I mean, there's blood in Beauty and the Beast, too. Like, I remember that distinctly. Yeah, Belle is, like, nursing the beast when he gets, like, attacked by the wolf. <laughs> I heard nursing. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Matt uh, is trying to bring this to a bestiality place. It already got there. I should have just left it. Okay. Um, you're right. You're right. Yeah, like, there, blood is not new to Disney. I think that... Oh, but Clayton getting lynched... That was <laughs> that fucking shit was dark for Disney. But they didn't show him hanging there. But even the, the silhouette when the lightning flashes on the tree. Right, right. Like, that's dark, man. I, I did really appreciate like the irony of the white colonizer like accidentally hanging himself somewhere on the continent of Africa. That made me feel good. Yes, that was that that had more layers to it than I think most people appreciate. Yeah, it was. I, I did feel good about it. Um, really thought like he got his his just desserts. In the in the in the books, apparently, from my again, as I always claim, very cursory, bad research. Uh, Tarzan, Tarzan is is um. It's like you can take the aristocracy out. You can take the boy out of the aristocracy, but you can't take the aristocracy out of the boy. Like he retains in the books like a weird amount of understanding for British. Or I guess he was American in the books. Is he American in the books? Because we know that we discovered before we started recording tonight that Jane is actually supposed to be American, which I certainly would would not have known from this movie or the movie that came out this summer uh, where Margot Robbie, Robbie yeah. was playing Jane. Okay, either way. I think no, yeah. because he was a Viscount. So, um, 
he's like incredibly he's like in the books he's supposed to be like incredibly smart he picks up languages very very quickly yeah and in the movie they translate that into him being a mimic a sound mimic yeah like so in the movie like uh, one of the concessions to the books is that apparently he can make the sound of a rifle which I don't understand. <laughs> Which doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. I don't think the human palate can do it. No. Nope. Like that's part of that's like a literal part of the mythology from the original source material. Okay, that's good to know because I was really wondering about that. <laughs> he like not only does he make the sound of the rifle, like he also makes the echoes. Yeah, like, man. <laughs> well, I think he just uses the openness of the forest or something. Sure, I'll go with that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I don't, have, I don't like. I don't have much more. Like the story. Where are we at in the story? It, the story is so bare bones that we weren't really like. We didn't want to take you through it. Like like normally, obviously, if you listen, like we go through the movie chronologically. It just didn't really seem to make sense to do that this time. Yeah. Disney movies are. Well, no, I don't even want to say Disney movies are really straightforward. Mulan has more of a plot than this movie. But this movie carries a lot of, a lot more weight than I think you appreciate where it's like or or or, or would I don't know or that impresses on you like I remember as a kid like the movie was upsetting because there was a little more death and there were some stakes that you could feel like guns were being fired and the physicality of like the animation made people feel more kind of real there were a lot of gunshots in this movie yeah um and and the, I guess if you wanted to, like, extract a moral, it's kind of like people are, I don't know what it is, like, man and beast and nature and all can, like, live together and society is actually, I don't, I don't really, actually, you're right, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, I don't, I don't know. Well, I don't think society, like, plays a part in it, because at the end of the movie, Jane and her father abandon their societal trappings, and oh my God. she's in a, in a, her own loincloth and bra, <laughs> and, like, and broad because she yeah she's still modest but it makes yes. sense for her and not for I mean but it's a cry she's wearing a she, her stomach is just bare and she's surfing through the trees and it, it seems it, she's Gucci like it's fine and so is like the little like potato bodied dad right swinging around yeah I don't really yeah like it is it is sort of like it's missing my favorite part uh, which is when he goes back to England. And, like, finds that he doesn't like it and that it's stifling and hypocritical and all that kind of shit. I think that's, like, probably the most interesting stuff. I mean, that... And that's... Let's... Again, I'm going to make this comparison. Like, this is the second Pocahontas movie they made. Like, because they... No, seriously, they cut off Pocahontas at that point, too. Where she goes back to England and, like, you, you don't have to deal with her, like, trying to navigate that society and succumbing to white people illnesses <laughs> and you know okay. all of yeah y'all are dirty <laughs> it just gets sad it right. gets sadder than even disney's gonna want to like try and tackle in its own rounded way there are certain types of tragedy that disney is equipped for and certain types of tragedy that disney is not equipped for yes the complexities of like why society is hypocritical Yes. <laughs> are, is probably not something that they're going to want to try and attempt to make digestible to children. No, whereas, like, they, uh, I, uh, the death of the parent is something they are very capable of hand- handling. Yeah, and they do it almost too, like, all the time, like, too much. Oh, all the time. They love it. <laughs> they, they love to kill off a father and a mother. Um, so what is the, 
What is the moral of this movie? To just be... Tr- um, to know where you came from? <laughs> don't stop. You're crying? Uh, I don't, <laughs> like... I mean, I guess it doesn't have to have one, but it's like... Do Disney movies have morals, generally? Isn't there some sort of, like... The fairy tales have... Saccharine message that they try and impart on the fairy. The fairy tales have morals because the fairy tales come from stories that have morals to begin with, whereas this is based off of a book series from a man from the early 1900s who I think was just trying to... Not to trivialize what he did, but I think he was kind of just writing, like, the equivalent of dime store adventure novels. He was writing, yeah, he was writing, uh, like, Penny Dreadful kind of, like, right. pulpy shit. And he was, like, expressly doing that. Like, he, yeah. like, they meant, oh, when he's about to go on the boat to England, they mention that he can meet Darwin. Right. And, uh, Rudyard Kipling. Mm-hmm. Uh. I think Mowgli, like, owes a lot to Tarzan. No, I think, it, I think it's or the other way around. Does Tarzan owe yeah. to Mowgli? Okay. Mowgli, Mowgli, the character from, uh, The Jungle Book. Mowgli is, like, the prototypical, uh, feral child, uh, who goes sort of native, but he gets he gets raised by wolves, which is a whole other thing that I don't understand. <laughs> right, right. And he is at least a native of the country he's being raised in. Yeah. But it's still, I mean, Rudyard Kipling is still racist as fuck. Right. Well, <laughs> well Rudyard Kipling wrote stuff sort of apologistically to the horrors of the British Empire by yeah. saying that it was like a civilizing force. Mm-hmm. And later, I think... Am I humanizing him, or didn't he, um, didn't he feel shitty about that? Didn't he realize that he was doing that, and then he wrote, like, just, like, tributes to, like, African and Indian folklore and just-so stories and stuff? Oh, did he? I don't... And then The Jungle Book. If that's true, I don't know anything about that, because, like, mostly in my mind, like, Rudyard Kipling is colonizing and sort of uh, demoralizing to brown people around the world. That's his, I mean, his legacy is not that, but that is the potting soil for his writing career. <laughs> right. But he, he um, I think he said that um, Burroughs um, was just seeing how poorly he could write and still make money. I mean, I think that's what a lot of dime store people were doing. But, like, I mean, it's just funny they mentioned Kipling, and Kipling, I think, is on record as saying that he thought that Burroughs was a hack. Okay. And, like, <laughs> couldn't write a story and was just kind of seeing if he could just pull one over the, you know, the reading public. I mean, he was very successful. Um, Disney, oh, gosh, maybe, it, I want to say, like, a decade ago at this point, but it may not have been so long ago, uh, also tried to adapt another one of Burroughs' stories, the uh, John Carter yeah. of Mars, and with um, Taylor Kitsch. I really liked it. That movie sucked. Balls. It was so bad. <laughs> I really liked it. I thought that it suffered from poor advertising and the fact that it was released in March with the poor advertising. Well, March is the year of my birth, so I'm also very familiar with how bad a month it is. <laughs> okay. Um, but point being, like, he did create at least a few characters that have held over um, to modern times. That movie's... John Carter is interesting, I mean, first of all, it seems like Disney just tried another shot with... Because Tarzan was extremely successful. Yeah. And they're like, we got... It seems like maybe they had dibs or something on, like, Burroughs. On his, like, public domain stuff or... Yeah. Okay. Like, maybe they, like, 
took some of the titles that they liked. And mm-hmm. Yeah, John Carter's... John Carter sucked. And, and Michael Chabin, right, wrote the screenplay for oh, that one? Oh, did he? I didn't and know And he's, like, a great writer. Yeah. And that movie blew. And Tarzan was written by, like, I don't know who. And then also had, like, a pass by, like, three other screenwriters to, like, inject humor. And the script, uh, the script rules and make me laugh. Tab Murphy, Tab Murphy Bob Zudiker, and Noni White are the credited writers for Tarzan. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, did you laugh a lot? Oh, you know what I did? Sorry. What I did remember that did make me laugh, like kind of both now and in 1999. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Oh yes. I, that brought back so many flashbacks and to like see where that, <laughs> I don't know if this was the origin of that, but it was so familiar to me. And I remember every kid doing that. Yeah. I think you can owe any of the laughs you got to, um, it seems like Dave Reynolds was, let's see, yeah, it says that, like, husband and wife screenwriting duo Bob Zudiker and Noni White, uh, were hired to help refocus the humor, uh, to sort of balance the emotional beats in the movie, um, but then a comedy writer named Dave Reynolds came in and added humorous dialogue. I... He just did, like, a basically a punch-up of the script. I guarantee you he wrote, like, basically any joke that a child would laugh at in that movie, including, like, probably most of Turk's lines. Yeah. And this movie, yeah, I, the emotional stuff in this movie was solid. Like, I will give it that. I really enjoyed those parts. And I, like yeah, I said... People are fucking dead. People die and, like, you feel it more than, like, the sort of just, like, oh, the moms... Because it still has the, like, Disney kind of bullshit where there's just... The mom is just removed... And it's never addressed, but there's just, there is no mom. There is a totally spherical, dopey father who has an improbably beautiful daughter who's 12 feet taller than he is, and he's always just like, like Aladdin did it. No, it's Beauty and the Beast. Like, that is, he's a skinnier version of Belle's dad from Beauty and the Beast. But think of the Sultan from Aladdin as well. These are like spherical, incompetent men (laughs) who have like... Around. Yes, and he just sort of like bobs around, and they're just like, oh my dear, oh, 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 oh. and he like bounces in his little cushion all the time. Yeah, they all have like funny white facial hair, and yes, like yes. they have these like tall, lithe, beautiful Disney princess daughters. Yeah, and like you know that, that that's something that's kind of annoying now to see. I want to say, and we, I could be wrong on this, listeners. Feel free to correct me if so. I think the only Disney princess of the Renaissance and the post-Renaissance era who whose father did not have gray hair was Pocahontas. Huh. I, like, think, what an interesting... Sorry, I just really, no, no, like, no. like, that just came to my mind. I think that is the truth. Is Jane is Jane a disputed Disney princess? She's not on the official Disney princess lineup, no. <laughs> and who's on the lineup? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> I actually do know, I think I know, I think, I think I know this. Give it a um, shot, give it a shot. Snow White, Cinderella, uh, Sleeping Beauty, Aurora. Mm-hmm. Um, Pocahontas. No, oh, Pocahontas is, yes. Uh, Little Mermaid is. Jasmine is. Mulan might be. I am not... Another disputed one. I'm not sure about Mulan. I know that Tiana is. Tiana's from Princess and the Frog. 
and Rapunzel, I believe, is from Tangled. Oh wow! Okay. So yeah. I always forget to add the like CGI ones. To yeah. This. So I, I the one I'm not sure about is Mulan. I hope she is. And I could be wrong about Snow White because she's the first, and I'm yeah. not sure whether she's been held over. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, the clock is running. <laughs> I would love to just sort of... I know we didn't want to do a recap. Mm-hmm. The only thing you have to know is that Tarzan grows up an ape uh, without being told that he's a human. He just thinks he's different. Suddenly, uh, some... Natural scientists land. They're British. Let's it's, call let's call them anthropologists. It's Jane and Archimedes, anthropologists, yeah. whatever. Uh, but they bring along Clayton. He is there simply to hunt and capture gorillas at some sort of three hundred pound sterling ahead uh, to ship back, and that's his ulterior motive. Uh, Tarzan finds out that they're there, realizes they look like him, falls in love with Jane. Learns- Begins by the way walking upright, which I don't think he would have the posture for. It seems to me like his he would have been sort of deformed, like his yes. bro, his bones would have fused to accommodate the fact that he walks like that and stuff. On his knuckles, as it is specified by Archimedes. Yes. Yeah. Like a gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, Jane proceeds to fall in love. Clayton proceeds to get annoyed. That Does she? Okay. I actually like a real question. Does Jane actually fall in love during this movie? I mean, yeah. In a, I mean, yeah, right? Does she? What do you mean? What are you talking about? So, by the time, yes, by the time we get to the final montage, they are, uh-huh. sw- no, they're swinging through streets together and they're doing their right, whole she's, thing. And she's crazily good at, yeah. To him in doing that. Yes. It just seemed to me that, like, there was never a point, well, maybe during the montage of him learning things, I guess. What? They fell in love. Well, she draws his eyes the first time she meets him. (sighs) Yeah. There was just, like, in other Disney movies, like, I definitely understand where, like, the love connection happens. And in this one, it just seemed to take place over, like, such a short period of time that I was a little confused. But now that I'm thinking about it, it might be because of that montage where they're teaching him everything. It speeds it up so quickly that it, yeah. Well, it's always love at first sight. It's never, like... It's never, like, the, 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 like, more realistic... Like, there's no time to do a realistic kind of... It's totally always love at first sight, but I, like, think of Aladdin He's a hairless, fucking... Yes. Pretty man. No, 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 totally, but I, like, think... dreads that are really well done. Right. But I'm thinking of, like, Aladdin, where, like, there are beats, like, first Aladdin meets Jasmine, Mm. and they're both street rats, and they, like, have that connection. (laughs) No, no, and they, like, have that connection, and then, like... He becomes Prince Ali, and they have that connection. And right. then he shows up on the red on the magic carpet and like sings her a song. And there's like, yeah, there's a wooing big, portion. Yeah, there's wooing, and there are beats where like it's clearly like this is where they are falling in love. And there's those things exist in other movies. I mean, like fucking Pocahontas. Sorry, I keep bringing up Pocahontas. I don't okay, know why. It's, it's right. not my favorite Disney movie by any means, but for some reason, it's very present on my mind Only right now. Only hummingbird character that ever made it into a movie. And a raccoon. Yes. Yeah. Or, like, even in that one, like, she sings him several songs, like, while she's, like, showing him her world, and, like, they're falling. (laughs) (laughs) Also showing him her world. Yeah, right. I was about to say. Yeah. You borrowed some language there. I did. I did. Um, But, yeah, point being, like, I didn't get those moments in Tarzan. I think, I think, uh, I think 
the wooing in Tarzan is more like, hey, I bet he just smells. I bet she had some sort of like weird pheromonal like barrier destruction where like he would like come in and like he also um I, I think part of what you're supposed to think probably is as a prim and proper English woman, the uh the the lack of polish on him and the like feral nature of him and the in the total like removal of all societal Hang-ups. She's feeling things below the waist that, like, she's it's just, never it's, felt it's before. It's really lighting her up, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, so, I get, like, which is interesting because, like, the only motivation would be, like, a more physical one. As opposed to, like, his personality, which he's subverbal, like, he doesn't really, like... You know what? Actually, I think you've pointed out something. Like, I think it's because it really is a physical connection here, rather than, like an interaction, interpersonal connection. Maybe that's where my hang-up is coming. Because then because then it feels more like high school or something. Right, right. Like, it's like, oh, you gave up your whole life in England on a whim to wear, like, animal skins, which Tarzan wouldn't kill an animal to, like... Anyway. Right. Uh, and, and, yeah, like, so that, that ending feels really rushed. The closest, the closest analogy, like, I can think of is maybe Eric and Ariel... Mm, just like, where he like sees her he's moon-eyed over her um she sees him she's moon-eyed over him and instantly goes to ursula like here take my voice like and yeah right yeah i mean but then again we're doing hans christian anderson right <laughs> which which every single one of those is a german cautionary tale as opposed to <laughs> like, Sweden. F- wait norwegian Swedish. oh oh sure yeah swedish yeah. norwegian scandinavian something right in we said it before yeah. um <laughs> But yeah, not German. Not um, German. That's the point. Yeah, so that that's my only... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you through your summary, but that was my only, like, problem. No, there. I mean, yeah, physical attraction. I mean, it, it, when he kills the leopard and he lifts it into the air... Right. He's fucking Jack. Fucking hard gains out there in the jungle. Yeah, no fair. Cut. Straight up shredded body. He's got cum gutters. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. I think... Had eight? No, it hadn't. Okay, wait. You know what a cum gutter is, right? Yes. Oh, Why okay. You think I'm reacting? So I don't. I don't know. When I was introduced to that term like two years ago, I had never heard it before. Oh wow, man. Yeah, it was Connor Goldsmith introduced me to that term. Uh, he'll <laughs> be. Gonna, he'll be on. So. He'll be on the podcast. <laughs> so what happens is, uh, he ends up having this sort of like rapport with Jane, and and, and they fall in love, and he learns English pretty well. Um, they, he never shows them the gorillas because they don't want to be seen by humans. Uh, so then the ship comes to pick them up. They failed to find gorillas. Clayton's pissed. Uh, but Tarzan's hopelessly in love with Jane, and he doesn't want to see her leave, and Clayton uses this to his advantage by manipulating him emotionally and saying, hey, look, you know, Jane's heartbroken that they didn't find gorillas, so if you did find them, like, that would make her super happy. And maybe I apologize for the siren in the background. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, we live in a city, and whatever. Uh, <laughs> it'll pass. This too shall pass. Um, <laughs> so he shows Jane the gorillas. It's amazing. Of course, Clayton then marks it down on a map, sends in people to capture all the gorillas. Kerchak's pissed. He gets shot. Uh, uh, him and him and Tarzan and Clayton fight. Clayton gets strung up by vines and killed. It's pretty gruesome. Um, and that's the other autoeroticism yeah, moment. Yeah, that's the autoeroticism moment that... Uh, if you're into that. It, that Peter Peter Rayner <laughs> seems so obsessed with. Fuck that guy. Uh, 
I hope, God willing, Peter Rayner is still with us. I would love to hear his updated opinion. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> on Tarzan. If he's dead, uh, that would well. be sad. Because then I just disparaged a, a dead man. <laughs> Um, let's do an, uh, so anyway, but, so they, they end up happily ever after in the jungle. As happy as, as you can be with a gorilla as your mother-in-law. Yeah. I mean, yep. Yeah. As a, as a child. Oh yeah. So now in the podcast, we, uh, try to rate these movies, um, as we would have enjoyed them as children, and as we've just watched them as adults. Uh, Matt, can I... I know you saw this as a child. I think we both saw this as children. We have established. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this will be one of our ratings where we're kind of guessing less. Uh, some of them we have to actually just try to envision ourselves as children, and then we just sound like hipster children, because what no. we're really doing is imparting our current knowledge onto our seven-year-old selves and coming out <laughs> sounding pretentious and unrealistic. Hey, listen. I mean, if you're listening to this in this at, at this particular time, you're looking for escapism. By time, he means the Trump presidency. <laughs> yeah, year zero. Uh, then, then whatever. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Um, I'll go. Um, so we do this on a scale of one to five, one being the worst and five being the best. And you know what? We're saving that coveted zero for a truly, a truly horrendous movie. Just truly bad. Um, which this was not like, this is a movie that like I enjoyed watching. I sat in my bed last night. I turned on Netflix. It is available by the way on Netflix right now. If you would like to go watch it, you don't have to pay for it. Um, other than paying for your Netflix subscription. Um, so as a child, I definitely saw it in theaters at one point, but as I've said, uh, my favorite Disney movie of this era was Hercules followed by Mulan. Um, and my favorite Disney movie of all time is Beauty and the Beast. And both of the, uh, all three of those are very different in style. They use songs as sung by the characters to further along the plots, whereas this one uses amazing music, as we've established, um, but it's more of a background thing, and it's usually used at, in montage sequences. And I'm kind of thinking... Um, I'm trying to think of how I would have accepted that, seeing that as a kid. I, don't, I know I saw it as a kid, I just don't remember what I thought. And I'm thinking that... I would not have appreciated this as much as I appreciated a movie like The Prince of Egypt. Um, if only because I wouldn't, as a... God, I would have been 11 in 1999. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have appreciated Phil Collins in the way that I appreciate Phil Collins now. Like, I can genuinely say, like, I like to turn on a Phil Collins song. I got really excited when my boyfriend recommended that I listen to, I think it's Francis and the Lights. And the first song that I turned on, like, sounded like Phil Collins. I got really excited. What is your rating, Kendra? Sorry. <laughs> what, what I'm trying to say is I just wouldn't have appreciated it as much. Uh-huh. So I'm going to say if Beauty and the Beast is my five, like my ultimate five. Okay. This is probably a three okay. for a child score. Watching it now, loved the music. Um, 
was a little so-so on the plot. As you can tell, we didn't feel the need to go through it in the way that we normally do on the podcast, just because there wasn't that much to go through. But the music gives it a boost. Um, I'm going to say a 3.5. Oh, an increase. Huh? An increase in respect. Oh, yeah, no, I like it a lot. I like it more because because I can appreciate the music now. I think that if it was just a montage of all of the Phil Collins songs with only the emotional beats, like if you cut Turk out of the movie entirely. Oh, no, 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 no. It would be great. Okay. Okay, Matt? I give this movie a, uh, as a child, like I give this movie like a 4.5. I thought the animation was great. Um, I thought that, uh, the expressiveness of the characters and stuff, I I thought they were really like nailing it. And I remember as a kid, just like laughing my ass off. I love Turk. I have remembered the Phil Collins music to this day. Um, so yeah, it gets a 4.5. It was a big favorite on heavy rotation with me and my family. Uh, as an adult, I give this movie, I still give this movie like, uh, like a 3.5 now. It went down, but only because like, I don't really know what, what to extract from it. And the fact is that uh, Tarzan doesn't, it, it, you know, with every passing year, it ages less and less well. And uh, they really had to remove a ton to get to the core story, uh, including the things that I f- now as an adult find more interesting, like, you know, Tarzan going back to civilization and rejecting it and going back to the jungle and then like, but knowing about it and having spoken a million languages and fighting African tribes and and doing all the weird problematic shit that is now more sort of like culturally interesting. So 3.5 for me. Yeah, I I agree. Um, Sorry, I just want to, they had to take that stuff out um, only because uh, Edgar Burroughs referred to Arabs as surly looking and had them call Christians dogs. Um, and black people were lithe Ebon warriors gesticulating and jabbering. Lithe. Lithe, sorry. Yeah, Two so... Two years in. You Woo! Know. Matt! <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I'm... You know what? I feel like I, I'm confident enough to announce... What we're going to be watching next week. Go for it. This might actually be true. It may come true. I've said it before, but I think next week we are actually going to watch Meteor Man. Okay. Directed by Robert Townsend. Awesome. Starring Robert Townsend. Sweet. Also starring Bill Cosby. So look forward to that. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, you can listen to this episode, obviously. Please subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy what you've heard. Um, if you've made it to the end of this episode and this is your first episode with us, I suggest that you go back to The Prince of Egypt. Start there. That's just, in my opinion, our best episode. <laughs> um, Matt might have a different opinion. No, just whatever, man. Yeah. Um, and then after you've listened to that, you could go and uh, search for some stuff that Matt and I have done. Matt, what are you doing? Uh, I have a I have an ongoing webcomic uh, about the Trix Rabbit as a genetically realized organism for branding. Uh, and you can just go to trixcomic, one word, dot tumblr, dot com. Matt does all the writing and the inking himself. Thanks. So it's real, like, just 
you know, real great. You can, you can see an independent comic artist at work. It's true. Don't mm-hmm. don't scoff at yourself. No, I know. I know. Um, and my name is Kendra James, and you can find me on Twitter at Kendra James underscore. That's at Kendra James underscore. And you can find some of the stuff that I've written at Cosmo.com or Lenny Letter. Um, and yeah, we look forward to seeing you next week when hopefully <laughs> we will be watching Meteor Man. I'm, I'm 90% sure. In the meantime, enjoy yourselves. I hope you listen again and uh, just try and keep your sanity. Oh, bye. That was dark. No, I have nothing else to say about that. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to do like a, we're your friends. No. You can still do it. No, we're fucked. <laughs>